HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Vivino. Discover and buy wines wherever you are. Visit vivino.com heritage to stock up. I'm HRN's Executive Director, Katie Mosman-Wadler, with a preview of the latest episode of Meat and Three, our weekly food news roundup. We're counting down the days to the 4th of July, so this week's theme is independence. After all, we're an independent food radio station. HRN is a labor of love. Staff, hosts, and listeners all share the belief that storytelling can change the world, one bite or sound bite at a time. We take a moment to ponder our founding mothers and fathers, specifically what they were drinking during the Revolutionary War. Rum in various combinations with beer and cider would be the order of the day. We highlight a story of self-sufficiency on the island of Vieques, Puerto Rico. The biggest thing we did was to start a lot of fermented vegetables because we knew the first thing to go would be refrigerator trucks coming to the island. And we examine the challenges facing independent grocery stores across the U.S. The struggle is real, but the future looks bright. Tune in to this week's episode of Meat in 3, available at heritageradionetwork.org and wherever you get your podcasts. to HR and Happy Hour. It's five o'clock somewhere and somewhere is Bushwick. I'm Kat Johnson, the communications director here at HRN, and I'm here with my host, as always, Katie Mosman-Wadler, our executive director. Hey, Kat. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, we have a full house today. We've got the crew in the studio with us. We've got Hannah Corfordin, our membership coordinator. Happy Thursday. And we have three of our lovely summer interns here as well. We have Mary, Victoria, and Kate. Hi, guys. Say hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> a choir of hellos. Um, and we have our engineer, Matt Patterson, in the booth, making us all sound great. Thanks hey. for being here, Matt. <laughs> so welcome. <laughs> um, and um, I wanted to announce our guest today. We're very excited to have him. Um, he's the creator, writer, and executive producer behind the sitcom Everybody Loves Raymond. That's how a lot of people know him. And he's currently the host of Somebody Feed Phil on Netflix. Welcome to Phil Rosenthal. Hello. <laughs> Thanks We're for joining so us. So excited to have you here today, Phil. The world's best studio. We're actually looking at people eat Roberta's pizza through the glass where I just was, and I ate two pizzas. What, right pizza? <laughs> what pieces did you have? We had the uh, Shroom's Day 
Oh, the right? Shrooms Day device. The Shrooms Day oh, device. That's a good one. It has mushrooms on it. <laughs> and then something called the Little Stinker. You gotta have the Little Stinker. I thought stinker. it was named after me. <laughs> it's got double garlic, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll stay over here on this side of the room. It's fine. We've all had it. So yeah? it's, uh, we're, we're all in this we're together, good. Phil. Okay, good. We'll breathe on each other. It's really good. The pizza here is world class. Yes, it is. We're very lucky to have a studio next to... Roberta's. Wow, why aren't you all 300 pounds? I don't know. I would be. We're working on it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> getting there, getting there. So Phil, we're super excited to hear more about the second season yeah. of Somebody Feed Phil. Really quickly though, we have a couple of announcements that we wanted to share with our listeners. Um, we Coming up, we have a really big event that we're heading out to Denver for. Um, Slow Food Nations is taking place in Denver in July, July 13th through 15th. Uh, it'll be our second year attending, and it's the second year of the festival. Last year was their inaugural. Um, and there will be talks and tastings and seminars, and tickets are available now. You can go to slowfoodnations.org, or if you can't be there, uh, tune in to HRN on tour. We'll have all the coverage for you. And uh, I do want to also hand it over to Hannah for a quick second to talk about our summer membership drive. And uh, thanks especially to Moxie Rosenblum for that heart-wrenching plea at the top of the show. But Hannah, tell us a little bit about the drive and what's yeah, going I'm, on. Yeah, I'm just nowhere near as cute as Moxie, so I should really let her just speak for me. But uh, as you heard at the top of the show, we are in the midst of our annual summer fun drive. As you know, we have two fun drives a year, and this is when we call upon all of our listeners to help to make HRN possible for the next season, for the next year. Um, It's super easy to support HRN. You can head over to our website, heritageradionetwork.org, and click on the beating heart at the top right corner of your screen. Uh, We have a range of membership levels depending on what you're able to give, but no matter what, your dollars will be put to really, really good use making the best food radio out there, um, and we'll really, really appreciate it. So go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate or click the beating heart at the top right corner of our webpage and become a member. You'll get uh, invitations to events along with discounted tickets to um, some of our amazing talks and tastings. So you don't want to miss out. Plus, we'll love you forever. Literally forever. We will. (laughs) Yes. So, yeah, like Moxie said, it's so easy. It's so (laughs) easy. Just as good as Moxie Rosenblum. Yeah, exactly. It's hard hard to be. Um, well, thank you all for, for listening and taking part in the drive. And with that, um, we'd love to jump into this yes. week's episode of HRN Happy Hour. Yes. Okay, Phil, if someone is totally new to your show, yes. somebody feed Phil, what is the elevator pitch? I'll tell you. Uh, this this is true. Um, not to bring the room down, but, but you know, Anthony Bourdain was a huge influence on the world mm-hmm. and, and me especially. And the way I sold the show was by saying, I'm exactly like Anthony Bourdain if he was afraid of everything. <laughs> so what does that mean when you're, when you're <laughs> traveling to a place? How, how are you reacting? Um, the way a nervous person reacts. The way, uh, uh, you know, I would watch his show and I would think he's, he's amazing. I'm never doing that. I'm not going to Beirut to get shot at. I'm not. I'm not getting a chest tattoo by by uh, Borneo tribesmen. And I think there's a lot of people like me who sit on the couch and watch and live vicariously through him. But they look at me and they go, "Well, if that putz can go outside, maybe I can too." <laughs> 
That's super inspirational. It well, is. Uh, I'm trying to get you to travel. I think there's no more mind-expanding thing we can do in life than travel. And I think the world would be a little better if we could all experience a little bit of someone else's experience, mm -hmm. right? So we don't all have to be the way Bourdain was, right? We, we can take baby steps. My show is, I think, nice for people who've been to the places that they see in my show and inviting for the people who haven't traveled yet. I start with Earth's greatest hits, you know, the most accessible places to Americans. There'll be a bed, there'll be a pillow. <laughs> they, you don't have to uh, sleep in a, in a hut on the, on the ground, right? There'll be restaurants that are somewhat familiar to you if you live in America and have ever tried any kind of ethnic food, right? There'll be transportation. They'll, uh, most people will speak English in these shows that I'm featuring towards the beginning of what I hope is a very long run. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I, I think two-thirds of us don't have a passport even, and that's including everyone wow. who came to America with a passport, and only 10% of them use it. Wow. wow. Okay, so maybe we wouldn't be in the position we are today if we just traveled a little bit more and had our minds opened. Have you had any feedback uh, from people who've seen the show and have been inspired to go out and travel? What's What impact have you thing. felt? You know, it's my favorite thing. I get, uh, I'm on the Twitter, I'm on the Instagram, I'm on the Facebook, and there's ways to instant message me. And people write to me and they send me photos. Look, I'm in Lisbon at the ice cream place you went to. Look, I'm in, I'm in uh, Thailand. I'm at the floating market. Nothing makes me happier. It's great. I, I was just telling my friend about the best one I ever got was from a 15-year-old girl in Egypt. You're going to think I'm making this up. She said, you saved my life. I have an eating disorder. And seeing you get excited about food and travel makes me want to eat and travel. Wow. So that made my whole life. I can die now happy <laughs> that this girl in Egypt is feeling better. So you have a, a long history of like loving food. Yes. Is that kind of one thing that made you decide to focus on traveling because you wanted to get out there and eat as much as you could in as many places as you could? I mean, that's the name of the show. That's Somebody all true. Pill. That's all true. And, and to be honest, the, the show is really about human connection and meeting these people from around the world. It's disguised as a food and travel show with humor, hopefully. Uh, but the people are the main thing. That's what I'm really going after. That said, I do plan every vacation by seeing where I'm going to eat first. Right. It's just, <laughs> it's just what I like. Yes. Am I alone? No, absolutely I think not. everybody, you know, then I find out, yeah. you know, I'm not crazy. I, I don't just do that. By the way, you have to do something in between meals. So may as well see the thing that the place is famous for, right? Mm -hmm. The museums and the... The architecture and the, the town itself and the, the, the landscape and get out there. That's how you get hungry for round two. Exactly, exactly. right. That's, by the way, I'll, this is how I typically see a city. I walk and walk and walk and walk and walk until I find a place to have lunch. And then I walk and walk and walk and walk and walk <laughs> until dinner. Yes. I love that. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you've done in season one or season two that have gotten you the furthest out of your comfort zone? Oh, uh, right away, I'm going to say the elephants in Thailand, in Chiang Mai. I went to an elephant, 
uh, reserve where they save the elephants who've been abused in the logging industry and the entertainment industry. Entertainment industry for elephants is that people go and ride them for fun. Yes, very nice for you. Not so nice for the elephants, it turns out. Mm-hmm. And, and the way they're kept, it's not so nice. So this one woman named Lek, she has 300 acres in Chiang Mai. And she, it's like the old actor's home for elephants. <laughs> and I don't know if you saw that episode, but I, I got to hang with them and feed them and bathe them in the river, splash water <laughs> on them. Yes, I almost got crushed by two of them, but it was worth it. <laughs> But you live to tell the tale. I did. The tail almost, uh, the tail hit me in the back of the head. Did you see that? That, was, that my brother never stopped laughing. Did you go to the Chiang Mai night market? And, and, I, I did. And how did you decide which things you were going to eat? Or did you, here's the, did you here's eat a, everything? That, you know, that's a very good question. That people ask me, don't you get sick from eating from street food and everything? Here's what I found. Look for the line. If there's a line... That means they're probably not poisoning too many people, right? They, they wouldn't have a line otherwise. Mm-hmm. And so I get on the line. I don't like to wait a long time, but <laughs> any line is good. Look for a medium line. Look around, yeah. And also look for what you're interested in. And you smell it. And you By the way, they wouldn't be in business at all if there was danger. I'll tell you this. I've been to how many places now? 18 altogether. Never sick one day, not once. Wow. Come home. Have a salad with some unwashed sprouts on it. Mm-hmm. Goodbye, and we'll be in the bathroom for three days. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Um, so you travel with a lot of really fun guests on your show as well. You had uh, Al Roker and Tracy Morgan travel with you in the past? Travel. They, they were both in the New York episode. Didn't have to travel much. Got it. But, but I have had, you know, like Nancy Silverton came to Italy. Mm-hmm. There, uh, uh, Michael Salamanoff, the chef from Philly, came with me to Tel Aviv. That was fun. Yeah. My family came. Uh, you're going to see uh, in the new episodes now that, that come July 6th, uh, you'll see my, my wife, who's, who's famous. She was Amy on Everybody Loves Raymond. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I want to talk about that episode a little yeah. bit. Did she have any, like, um, like revelations or interesting things she discovered um, about her heritage at all when, she, when you guys were in oh, Dublin? Oh, in Ireland. Yeah, in That's Ireland. right. We did the Dublin episode, too. Uh, she found out that no one in her family was particularly exceptional. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me feel better, right? I almost left her there. <laughs> I wanted something. I wanted her to be like a, a have some great inheritance. You didn't find you didn't find a castle no, or anything. No, she's she's, she's got to work a little harder, I think now. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's uh, there's an amazing museum in Dublin that where anybody can anyone of Irish descent can look up their family's complete ancestry. Wow. It's an amazing thing, and it goes in two seconds. They have it. Yeah, it's wild. Wow. Yeah. Um, are in, were any of your guests um, particularly picky about what they ate or where they went? Um, or is everyone open I, to all the experiences? It's funny. Do you have friends who aren't really into food? Yeah. They're not but, fun. Yeah, totally. If you're into food and they're not really into food, you go with them a, once in a while, but it's not really fun. Well, I like, like people do do? who want to share everything with me. Like if we go to lunch, 
I want to say, let's get, you get this and I'll get this and we'll share it. Yes. By the way, that's why I married Monica. That's what, because she, on the first date, I said, what if you got the fish and I got the chicken? We split. She said, yes. I said, I could marry this girl. <laughs> <laughs> done and done. Done and done. <laughs> that was my first date with my husband too. It turned yes. out that he actually doesn't like sharing though. Yeah. Uh, but he did it to show off and now he's stuck sharing with me forever. Ha, ha. <laughs> you know, we're like almost ha, nine ha. years later, he still has to go have Careful who me. you share with is so. the lesson. <laughs> You might wind up, wind up married. Uh-huh. And yeah? sharing forever. That's right. No, I love it. It's it's just part of the communal experience. It makes it fun. Mm-hmm. Plus, selfishly, I like to try everything. Mm-hmm. Right. right? Why, why limit yourself to the one entree? <laughs> <laughs> so you worked for a long time in um, sitcoms, yes. network television. Yes. What, I'm, they're very different the travel shows and and network TV, but are there any similarities that might be surprising to people? I think, you know, maybe because I come from sitcoms and because I understand and because it's my world, that Somebody Feed Phil is kind of part sitcom, meaning, and I hate people that talk about themselves in the third person, but I have to edit the show, so I have to look at me. And the only way to stomach that is to look at that guy as a character, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, it's funny if we do this to the character. So suddenly you're not you anymore. You're the guy in the show and you're standing outside the show. Does this sound weird? And I'm with you. looking at it and 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 that starts to affect where we might go and what situations we might put me in. Do so you put, in other do you put words, yourself in situations um, intentionally to make yourself uncomfortable? I don't, but my brother, who's a producer, <laughs> loves doing that. And there have been times, I could count like three or four times, where they've suggested, this will be funny to do to you. Mm-hmm. And I say, it's not funny. I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. And then I get there, and they nudge me a little more, and then I do it, and it turns out to be the best thing. So there's the lesson, isn't it? You we take and look, I'm not, I'm not an astronaut, right? I'm not I'm not, you know, going into war. I'm doing things like taking a tango lesson in Argentina. Okay. This is something I would never ever do in 100 years. It's humiliating. I'm a terrible dancer. I wear shoes like this <laughs> with big thick soles on them that look like grandpa. I'm klutzy. And here I am going on television and showing you how terrible I am. I did not want to do this. And I did it. And I look terrible. But you'll see the scene. It's one of the better scenes we've ever done. Because I took that baby step out of my comfort zone. All the secrets in life are linked to that one thing. Stepping a little bit out of your comfort zone. And for some of us, that might just mean traveling. It might just mean trying an ethnic restaurant down the street that you never tried before because you're afraid you won't like it. Listen, we're not children, right? We tell our own kids, try it. You just have to try. My wife had a a saying to the kids, I'd like you to take a no thank you bite. If you don't like it, you can say no thank you, Mm -hmm. but taste it. So that to me is a metaphor for all of life. You're visiting the in-laws this weekend. They've asked you to bring wine. You need a bottle that says, I'm laid back enough that I didn't think about this choice for hours. 
But also, I've graduated from Two Buck Chuck, proving I can provide for your daughter and our future children. Where to go from here? Just ask Vivino. Vivino knows feeling pressured in the wine aisle can sour the whole experience. But with the largest wine inventory, Vivino gives you the best price on personalized picks based on your taste profile, then ships them right to your door. Scan wines, compare reviews, save your favorites, and even get unlimited free shipping with Vivino Premium, plus a free 30-day trial. So, when that next visit rolls around, you know exactly what that dry Alsatian Riesling says about your commitment to your mother-in-law's Sunday roast. Visit vivino.com heritage to stock up. Vivino. Wine made easy. It's now officially summer, and Heritage Radio Network's summer membership drive is officially on. Please consider joining the Heritage Radio Network community by becoming a member. Help support your favorite shows like Inside Julia's Kitchen, and help Heritage Radio Network continue to bring you the most entertaining and thought-provoking food stories. Go to heritageradionetwork.org forward slash donate to join and check out the membership benefits now. Okay, so I, I really quickly want to talk about the locations that you travel to in yes. season two. Yes. Um, let's do this. I'm going to say the name of the city, and can you like describe what you thought of that city in like one sentence? Oh, Your impression right. this time. I know that, I mean. Am I getting graded? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Harshly. Yes. Harshly. a quiz. Okay. All right. Venice. Oh. You know, there's boats there. <laughs> 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 Perfect. Venice, I mean, maybe <laughs> that's enough. That's enough. They're, they're both in Venice. What By about the, way, the perfect place Phil's to abbreviated take... travel guide to the world? Yes. They're both there. By the way, you take your little children. I mean, little children. We took our kids when they weren't even three and six years old. The whole thing is the it's a small world ride. <laughs> Except everybody waving is Italian. <laughs> right? It's fantastic. They love it. World of boats. And every if, when you're then out walking, they'll walk anywhere. They won't even complain like, "Pick me up, Daddy." Mm. They'll walk anywhere as long it's as it's to pizza or gelato, which it mm. usually is. Perfect works out. Perfect <laughs> starter place awesome. for traveling. It's unlike anywhere else in the world. It's the most picturesque place on earth. I can't wait for people to see this episode. Mm. Awesome. All right, what about Dublin? Dublin potatoes. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's just the joke thing that comes to mind. That cuisine in Ireland was always uh, thought of as not so good, not not as good as the rest of the world. Here's the great thing about the world today, and I'm gonna I'm gonna credit the internet with this. A kid in Ireland can find out what a chef in Paris is doing and emulate it. A kid in Peoria, Illinois, can find out what a chef in Paris is doing and emulate it, or what they're doing in Bangkok and emulate it, and then use their local ingredients. I went to places in Ireland where seaweed is bountiful, mm -hmm. and Japanese chefs go there to work with that seaweed, and it's this wonderful mashup of Japanese-Irish cuisine. Yes! I have a very good friend who's an Irish chef who cooks Japanese cuisine. See that? Yeah. There are similarities. You don't even think of it. It's wild. And then you go, and it's friggin' delicious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. What about Buenos Aires? Oh, meat. So the best steak, 
Oh my God. Everyone told me it was going to be overdone. They, they liked their steak well done. It's completely not true. It was beautiful, juicy. You know how a steak sandwich, you bite into it and, and, and it, uh, when you get it here, and it's kind of tough. They don't use the best quality steak in a steak sandwich in uh, the United States, right? It's not supposed to be. It's just a sandwich. Well, there, you bite into it, and there's not even a noise. It just, like that. Juicy, beautiful, delicious. The bread is great. The steak is great. You'll see. I would You'll not see. have thought it's that. It's awesome. Yeah. I also did something else brave. I rode a horse like a gaucho. They dressed me up. <laughs> wow. They put a hat. I had the thing. I looked, you know, I was a Jewish gaucho. I love it. <laughs> All right, what about Copenhagen? A utopia. <laughs> so here's what I mean. If you live in Denmark, half your money goes to taxes. So that doesn't sound so great. However, free education through college uh, universal health care, right? Never pay for a thing. Uh, uh, the cleanest air, food, and water in the world. Every bite of food I had in Copenhagen, it's, it's like a, everyone's riding a bike. Everyone is out. Everyone's super friendly. There, you don't see great disparity from rich or poor because the tax bracket is, is the way it is, right? This is not political. It's human. Mm -hmm. That's how it feels. I had hot dogs on the street that were as good as four-star meals. Delicious. Every single thing. They care about every ingredient. Really, I recommend you got to go. That's very high on my list. Yes. I'm excited to see that one. And it's gorgeous, too. Yes. Uh, okay, what about Cape Town? Spectacular. That I mean, so this is the southern tip of Africa. And I say in the thing, it's, it's like they built a city at the base of the Grand Canyon with the canyon up all around you, not just a mountain range, several mountain ranges, with the city tucked in amongst them, and the mountains come right down to the ocean. So all, you're, you're either under a mountain, you look this way, you're under this gorgeous mountain, or here's the water right here. So that's spectacular. And they have a, a world food scene too. Everyone's represented. All right, and last but not least. Yes. New York. Listen, this was going to be the toughest one to do. First of all, I'm from New York. Half my life, New York. I'm a New Yorker. Maybe you can hear. <laughs> but how do you do the definitive New York episode? That was my goal. How do I do it? Guess what? You can't. Everybody's done it. You can't do the definitive New York. So what I quickly decided when we started was... I have to do my New York. It has to be what I love about the city and the things that I wanted to, to discover new here. Chefs like J.G. Uh, Johnson and, and pizza places like Raza's in Jersey City, you know? And, and uh, uh, of course, I went to Peter Luger's because that's one of the best steaks in, in the whole world. And a lot of other favorites. I feature Central Park because I love Central Park so much. Um, it's a big episode, but it's. I realized if it's not personal, it doesn't have as much meaning. And the more specific you get, that's when you become universal. Not trying to do the definitive hit everybody. Everybody's got to think the same thing. No, we relate to each other's specifics. Mm -hmm. So get specific as possible. That's what I tried to do. <laughs> 
And something I picked up on from all of these cities is, is Phil, do you like steak? Oh, <laughs> you know what's funny? In, in and I said I said this once that in our house, growing up, meat was a punishment. It wasn't very good. It was it was always the cheapest cut of meat because that's what we could afford, and it was cooked within an inch of its life. It was gray and dry, and it hurt to chew as a little kid. I never had good steak until I was in my twenties. I avoided it because it was terrible. When somebody said, hey, you want to go to a steakhouse? Why would anybody want to go to a steakhouse? <laughs> steak is awful. And I went along anyway. The steak came out. And it was this thick, sizzling, gorgeous thing. And they cut it open. It was red inside, not gray. And then it tasted like heaven to me. <laughs> wow. Yes. <laughs> so sometimes being deprived of something, you know, it's like for me... You know in The Wizard of Oz, she opens the door and suddenly the movie's in color? Mm -hmm. That was like that for me. Wow. This really goes along, too, with the no thank you bite. It's like, even if you think you don't like a thing... Taste change. Try it anyway. Yes, I didn't like yeah. beets when I was little. Mm -hmm. oh, beets right? are great. Right, now I like them. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to move on to the last section of our show. Uh-oh. Continuing with this theme of the cities that you visited in season two, yes. we have a trivia question for each of them. Oh, God, what if I'm terrible? You have I'm a lot of help. I'm going to lose all credibility. Yeah, I'll be your phone <laughs> a friend. You have a lot of help in the yeah. room. Not that I have any idea what the answer is, <laughs> but I'll do good. my best. Okay, good. All right. Question number one is about Venice. Yes. What Venetian occupation was held entirely by men until 2010? Gondola. You got it. It's your you're, yeah, I this take is a like, gondola lesson in the show. Love it. I'm terrible. Another thing <laughs> out of my comfort zone. Um, so I thought this was very interesting. Giorgia Boscolo, I believe is how you say her name. She was the first woman, woman to pass the strict qualification exam. Her father, Dante, was also a gondolier. And he said, I still think being a gondolier is a man's job, but I am sure that with experience, Giorgia will be able to do it. Her response, I love this, childbirth is more difficult. Yes, excellent. <laughs> it is. And by the way, a, the person that gave me my gondolier lesson was a woman. Awesome. Here, here. Cool. And she was way better than me. <laughs> There's also a really amazing This American Life episode about yes. a trans gondolier who was really groundbreaking, and everyone should listen to that. It's, wow. It's incredible. Yes. All right. Question number two is about Dublin. What is unique about the dimensions of Dublin's O'Connell Bridge? which spans the River Liffey. No idea. This is interesting. The bridge is wider than it is long. Oh. Yeah. I and, have to go they, back and look at that. It's believed that it's the only bridge like that in Europe that's wider than longer. Why didn't anybody tell me that? Yeah. <laughs> You'll have to go back. Okay. Um, okay, Buenos Aires. Yes. One of the most famous natives of Buenos Aires is Pope Francis I. What unexpected nightlife-related non-religious job did he have when he was younger? Was he a bouncer? He was a bouncer. Yes, you got it. Nice, hey. nice job. Um, I love this master. pope. You gotta love this pope. <laughs> Everybody loves this. You gotta pope. love this pope. You gotta love the cool pope. pope. Okay. Uh, question about Copenhagen. Yeah. Which of Copenhagen's attractions served as the inspiration for Disneyland? Oh, Tivoli Gardens. We go there in the show. You got it. Yeah. It was built in 1843, and Walt Disney visited in 1951. He later said he wanted Disneyland to emulate the happy, unbuttoned atmosphere of fun he witnessed there. Did you get that? I, I did. I, I, the, I went on the wooden roller coaster that still has a brake man on it, right? Oh, I scared hope he doesn't the, fall asleep. Scared the hell out of me. Wow. It goes super fast. It's over 100 years old. That's so 
part of the terror is, I wonder if this is the day it breaks. Uh-huh. <laughs> Your wow. lucky day. Yeah. All right. Uh, question about Cape Town. Yeah. What natural formation located in Cape Town was named one of the world's new seven wonders of nature in 2012? Oh, is that Table Mountain? Yep. So there's this really cool thing. It's a flat top mountain. And almost every day, clouds pour over the top of it, and they call that the tablecloth. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's cool. That's beautiful. All right. And the last question, my favorite. Okay, I this don't like a, this question. This is no? about New York. Okay. What are NYC garbage collectors referring to when they talk about disco rice? This was written about in the New York Times a few years ago. I'm going to cry. I believe... <laughs> I. All right, this is disgusting. Yes? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's maggots? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, everybody. Oh, God. I'm sorry for writing that, but I was just like, this is a fun fact. Disco rice? Because oh. they dance. It's rice that dances. <laughs> I, I have to yes. go cry. Nice. At oh. least it wasn't a rat question. It's a good thing you had yeah. your you know, pizza before yes, right. yeah, the show. <laughs> well, in happier news, Phil, you're very excellent at our trivia game. Yes. Oh, I got, I got most of them. You won trivia. I did? You yeah. did. What do I win? You Tell win me Roberto's show. Pizza. <laughs> you get your own show on Netflix. Hey. <laughs> everyone should play this. Yeah. It seems like everyone has won. <laughs> you know, we but but not all of our winners get so many right questions as you have Is done that true? Here today. Yeah. Very very few have Guess done. Guess why well. I got a lot right. I've traveled, ladies See? and gentlemen. You should go travel. Yeah. Listeners out there. You'll be better at trivia. Yeah. Yes. And uh, so today we learned about the no thank you bite. We learned about travel. We learned about doing things that make you uncomfortable. Yes. I learned about Moxie and Rosenblum. laughing at yourself and Moxie. Your life the best. Will, will be better for it. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we love <Yep>. Moxie. <laughs> well, Phil, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank Tell you. us about your new season of Somebody Feed Phil, which is available on Netflix anytime, anywhere. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks to our whole team here. Kate, Victoria, and Mary, our interns. Hannah Ford, our membership coordinator. Katie Mosen-Wadler, our executive director. And Matt Patterson, our engineer. And thank you, Kat. Thank you. All right. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. HRN Happy Hour is powered by Simplecast. Simplecast is a popular hosting and analytics platform that allows podcasters to easily host and publish to apps like Apple Podcasts. If you have a podcast or are looking to create your very first, check it out. Try it for free and save half off your first three months at simplecast.com forward slash heritage.